Hello and welcome to the Fully Delighted Podcast. We are from South Mountain Community Church, a multi-site church with five locations in Utah. Each week, we will be hearing from our lead pastor, Paul Roby, and others as we explore what it means to be fully delighted in God and how we help as many people as possible experience this at SMCC. This is the Fully Delighted Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to another episode of the Fully Delighted Podcast. So excited to have you with us here today. And with me, as always, I've got our teaching pastor, Eric Nelson, and our lead pastor, Paul Roby. Guys, how are you doing today? Yeah, doing great. Back from the Labor Day weekend. Hope everybody had a a nice uh, vacation weekend, long weekend, did something fun. We're happy to be back. I know I did. I was in Lake Tahoe at our family cabin there that's been in our family for, man, almost 50 years now, I guess 50 years, and been there, I think, every summer of my life, this time without our kids, and uh, just had some great friends there with us, and so we had a great time. That's cool. Awesome, awesome. Well, guys, before we jump in for today, I just want to remind our listeners, uh, really just start off by thanking them for for, for listening and, and for sharing. Um, the, the amount of downloads that we have is just in the thousands and uh, just keeps rising, and so thank you for, for being a listener and consistently uh, popping in and uh, subscribing and downloading, uh, and if you haven't left us a review yet, please go ahead and do that. And as always, just a very quick reminder, if you do want to ask us a question, we've got a phone number and email uh, in the description below so that uh, you can go ahead and if you got a question about the episode today or an episode from before, or uh, just a question about really anything, honestly, almost anything, uh, we'd be able to answer for you. And so don't feel ashamed about asking that, but you can do it anonymously as well. Uh, what we want to do is continue in our journey here today. We're in the SMCC way, a document that, that uh, Paul created that helps guide our organization. And what we're trying to do is uh, go through uh, some different pieces of it. We've been going through this uh, this irresistible culture that builds uh, that kind of our, our, our organization uh, stands on. And there's been different pieces that we've been going through with that. And today what we are on is uh, this, uh, this piece. It is the truth of the Bible is explained in a helpful and hopeful way. Now, Paul, that might seem to some listeners, maybe to some that seems very unique, maybe to some that seems very elementary, um, but why did you feel the need to put this in this document and have that be a course to who we are as a church? Yeah, as I had an opportunity to preach every Sunday, you know, I was a associate pastor, college pastor, and then a, a associate pastor for 17 years be, before I planted SMCC. And so I had limited opportunities to preach, and when I did, it was usually at other churches or camps or something like that. But then I got into a routine of preaching every Sunday, and I, I became a student of preaching, and that's what everybody needs to do if they're going to preach all the time. And one of the things that I learned was the expectation of a lot of people was that they would walk out of church feeling a little beat up, like, wow, I got spanked today, and that's probably—I needed it. I, I know I needed it. I probably deserved it, and I feel like I've been to church because I walk out just, you know, with a gut check, and, and uh, sometimes— that can go over the top and discourage people to, po- to the point where they think to themselves, hey, I feel guilty enough. Why am I going to go to church and feel way more guilty? I mean, church is, 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 is really the place that is doing more 
harm to my attitude and to my sense of self, my sense of worth, all that, than any other thing in my life. And, and so I thought to myself, does it need to be this way? I, I studied Jesus' preaching and, and you know what he said. And of obviously, he rebuked people, especially the, the religious leaders. And so uh, sometimes it's said that we need to make the comfortable uncomfortable, and we need to comfort the uncomfortable. And I think there's a lot of wisdom there. I think we need to rebuke arrogance and pride, but we need to be helpful and hopeful to all the people that come into our church and think to themselves, I need help. I need encouragement. I I need a word today from God that will uh, give me hope. And, And so I think that's the basis for what started to generate this particular value. Also, uh, in this culture, the Bible's not valued as highly as it should be. Uh, the LDS do not value the Bible supremely over all other literature. And so I thought it was important that we talk about the truth of the Bible. The Bible is our source of truth. Now, we don't worship the Bible. The Bible is a record of God's interaction with people and His instructions to us. And it is helpful and hopeful. If you <laughs> obviously the good news is good news because it's helpful and hopeful. And so all you have to do is read the Bible carefully, and you will walk away with a sense of, wow, I'm not on my own. God did for me what I couldn't do for myself. God uh, reached out in grace and mercy. He gave me more than I deserved and uh, in terms of grace, and he didn't give me the punishment I, I did deserve, and that's mercy. That's helpful and hopeful. And so that all together went into that value. Man, I love hearing you talk about that. You know, when Jesus says he's the way, the truth, and the life, all three of those things are helpful and hopeful, okay? We all need life at times, life when life is slowly drifting away, when life seems to be growing dark. Jesus is the life, and that is helpful for us, and it brings hope to us. And of course, truth, oh my goodness, truth is helpful and hopeful. It is always helpful to live aligned with truth. And if the Bible is true, and we believe it is, then of course teaching it uh, in a helpful and hopeful way is, um, I think, the only way it should be taught, honestly. Um, now, there are other ways to teach the Bible that are that are um, important at times. We could teach it in an academic way, perhaps. We could teach it in a uh, long-winded way. We go for 30 to 35 minutes. And all those things are fine, and they have their place. But Paul, I like what you said about knowing our culture in Utah. Our culture in Utah is people who are walking through the doors are often very uncomfortable coming here, and so we want to comfort them with the helpful and hopeful truth of the Bible. Now, when I say helpful and hopeful, sometimes people are like, did you just say the same word twice? Like, that kind of gets <laughs> caught rolling off the tongue. But what I've discovered uh, in five and a half years of being here is people walk through the doors of SMCC, and I... I often think, you know, oh, these people are doing great in life, and they're here to connect with the local church. But what I've come to discover is that um, for most people, I'd say maybe 80% of people that come through the doors uh, for the first time at SMCC, uh, life is falling apart. And they said, you know what, we should try God. Maybe He can help. You know, maybe church would help. And so showing up at SMCC for a lot of people is their last-ditch effort to somehow regain 
comfort and clarity, confidence and stability in life. And so we have 30 minutes to introduce them at times to the help and hope uh, of God's truth in the person of Jesus. And so um, I love this value so much. Sometimes uh, people come up to me after a sermon and they say, wow, uh, what was that quote again? Where did you get that? And I find out later that there's there's people in our church that are motivational speakers. They're trainers at their at their place of business. They're using our stuff, and it's that helpful. And we want to connect with people that are not religious. In fact, I think that something Andy Stanley has pointed out, I think in his series called Follow, uh, that people that were not like Jesus liked Jesus. And the reason for that is he was helpful and hopeful. He spoke their language. He, he entered their world. He spoke to their issues and, and in a way that lifted them. And I think that's what we need to do as well. Mm, that's great. I think it's super interesting when um, I'm there on Sundays, and, and I do some preaching. Um, you guys do the bulk of it. Uh, but to just see how just about anybody can come in, um, and I know this is part of our, our, our understanding of, of knowing that guests could be there on any given Sunday, and we plan on guests coming, um, but you don't have to be this masterful um, Christian to, to get something from the messages that we have throughout the Sunday. You don't have to have this, this super great understanding of, of things. We're going to assume that you... I don't really know anything. In fact, you know, I think about a church that I grew up in. Um, you know, you would you would have uh, you would tell people, hey, you know, we're going to open up today's message. Turn to you know Luke chapter twelve. You know, and somebody who just came on a Sunday may not even have a Bible or know how to turn to a pastor. That, you know, so there's there's ways that not only we're we trying to do it in a hopeful and helpful way, but also just trying to assume. We know there's people here who may not have ever opened up their Bible. Um, you know, Eric, I know that you you help write a lot of the messages as well. How does that frame what you do when you're when you're writing messages to know that there there are definitely people in the room who just do not have that background? Yeah, there's a couple ways that I like to talk about it. I think I've mentioned it here on this podcast before, but uh, I think of it like a bus, and I want to get as many people onto the bus before I drive them into the passage as possible. So uh, I'm thinking of the uh, the person who got dragged there by by you know his girlfriend, and he doesn't want to listen. I think about the 14 year old in the room who didn't want to come to church today. I think about the uh, the intellectual atheist in the room. I want all those people to be on the bus before we get to a passage. And so, you know, the first five minutes or so of a message are very, very important into doing that. I often think that in the first 30 to 60 seconds, a listener is deciding if they want to keep listening to me or to any of our speakers. And so I want those first 30 to 60 seconds to build trust and build interest. Now, one of the ways that I build interest is to build tension. And tension in a message is where I purposely create sort of an unsettled moment in the message so that people want to know, wow, how's he going to get out of this? Now, I like to do that for the Christian in the room too, you know? Uh, is the Bible misogynistic? You know, that question builds some angst, like, wow, they're really going there this week, you know? Like, that builds angst both for the skeptic, but for the Christian as well, because I want 
the Jesus following room to think, wow, I've never heard a message on this, or man, this is going to be a, a little tense. So I want to create some tension uh, in that beginning parts of the message so that people have a reason to keep listening. Um, and so I want everybody to be nodding in the same direction. Yeah, yeah, I want to see where he's going with this. And so, and I'm nodding my head right now, because if I can get as many people nodding in the same direction, then then we have a... a now we're on the bus and we're ready to drive somewhere together um, into helpful and hopeful truth. So how do I get people nodding in the same direction or on the bus? Well, I want to start with an observation about the world that everybody can agree upon. Um, and often the first fill in the blank, the first point on a TV is kind of the TV is part of a the way we deliver a message at, at many of our campuses. Um, I want that observation to be a, have you ever noticed type of observation? And you don't need to be a God person. I'll say this all the time. You don't need to be a God person, church person, Bible person to... Uh, to agree with this, I think this is just an every one of us thing. And so now we're nodding. Now I'm building trust. Like, okay, he gets what I'm going through. Um, and so now in those first five minutes or so, I've created tension. I've spoken to um, the atheist, the skeptic, the young person, the older person, the mature Christian. I try to think of all those people in those first five minutes. And then I say, okay, now that we're on the bus, let's drive into a passage that speaks to the tension. That's how I kind of approach this. I really like that, Eric, because... I think a lot of churches pretend that Christians have different issues than non-Christians. We all share the same issues in life. We all go to work. We all have a family. We all deal with our spouses and, and try to raise kids and um, have health issues. And all that, all that applies to every single person. Every single person can relate to these nuggets that you drop at the at the beginning of every message and I think that's a really good way to do that when we don't do that when we assume everybody's a bible person everybody's a god person and we dive right into the passage and that passage is and I believe me I like this kind of stuff but exegeted beautifully with greek and hebrew a lot of historical background a lot of cultural background, information, all that's great. But if that's all that people get, uh, they end up filling up their notebooks and walking out realizing there's no hope for me to read the Bible on my own and get anything out of it. I need this pastor to explain everything because now I'm convinced that the Bible's super complicated, super hard to understand. And the flip side of that oftentimes is, the expectation is it's easy to live. You see, we believe that Christianity is hard to live because we have sin nature, and we're always up against that. We're walking uphill against our sin nature. But the Bible's actually relatively easy to understand. It, it does need to be explained, and we do need to be helpful to people who've never read the Bible before. But quickly, you can get the essence of what Jesus is saying, what the apostles wrote, um, and really the truth of the Old Testament. Yeah, last week in your message, Paul, you said, and I love this, you said, hey, we really just have one message at SMCC, it's the gospel. We have one message to illustrate and apply and approach from a thousand different ways. And uh, and I love that you said that. I think that's I think that's very true. Now, when it comes to how do we get people to a place, this is what's so complicated when it comes to preaching, get people to a place where they can hear the message of the gospel. That's the hard part, is getting them to a spot where they're receptive, where their hearts are, where their hearts are open, where it's, uh, 
it makes sense. There's there's logic involved. There's empathy involved and vulnerability involved. There's a clear explanation of what was happening in the first century or even further back than that. And when all that comes together uh, with, of course, the work of the Holy Spirit, the light bulb can go on in someone's life. And that is such a joy uh, for me as a communicator. Now, uh, back to what you're saying, Paul, about having two types of listeners in the room. Uh, I call it double-barreled preaching. There's probably a, a better illustration than a, than a weapon. Um, but uh, a bullet in the gun for the Christian and a bullet in the gun for the non-Christian. I think when we speak to the non-Christian for a significant length of time in a message, we're actually modeling how a parent can talk to their child or how an adult can talk to their sibling who left the church years ago and doesn't want to come back. We're modeling how to have conversation. We're demonstrating how that can happen. And so although a Jesus follower in the seats might say, this is not for me, uh, I want them to listen underneath that, uh, you know, go beyond a surface level to understand, oh, this is a demonstration of how to have a conversation around these types of issues with uh, an agnostic or a skeptic. And um, that's something that's really important to me. Yeah, we we have tried to build into our value system this invest and invite type of attitude. And so when we preach in such a way that we assume people have actually done that, they've invested in relationships and now gained trust of people, friends, coworkers, family members, and then invited them to church, we will not uh, offend that person that they brought to church. We're not going to embarrass the inviter. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are going to give that person that they brought an opportunity to hear and understand what it is that Christians believe. Mm-hmm. And I think that that gains uh, credibility. Uh, what, what happens in most churches, and I've been a part of these churches um, in the past, and that is the assumption is that there's no non-Christians in the room. And so... A lot of churches, I think, have an opportunity to mess that up and, and, and actually do a switcheroo on their people, and a lot of people probably won't realize it right away. But when you start to preach, assuming that there's non-Christians in the room, pretty soon people will start to think to themselves, you know what, I know somebody that could have really used this message. They would have really enjoyed it. They, they, this is exactly what they need right now. And then they're going to start bringing those people to church. So it's kind of a, a win-win where you're encouraging people to bring non-Christians by the way you uh, address everyone, and then when they get there, uh, the, the person who did the inviting is glad they did invite, and so they do it more. And so that fills up the seats with people that are not yet Christians. Yeah, and I, I love talking about uh, messages and how we do it at SMCC. I think uh, a lot of people often share, uh, you know, it's the messages at SMCC that, are, that, uh, that we enjoy most, or it's one of the things that keeps us coming back. Now, I mean, the Bible is 66 books um, written by, you know, many, many different authors over many years, and so I just think the Bible is far more interesting than people think, and they think, oh, it's just the Bible. Well, when you open up Genesis and talk about the word hezer, which means helper, and so Eve was a hezer to Adam, and like, that's interesting. Like, we can make that interesting. You don't have to be a Bible person to find this, you know, the best-selling book of all time interesting, you know? Fast forward to the New Testament, talk about the 400 years between Malachi and Matthew. Like, we can make that interesting, uh, and if we can't make it interesting, we probably shouldn't be speaking, because there's so much richness um, in the Bible, and um, finding a way to uh, com- uh, communicate it in a compelling way uh, is a great challenge of ours, but what a joy. 
You know, every year we try to kind of uh, give a gift to people that have been long-term church people, and so we dive into a long New Testament book study, and we just go chapter by chapter, sometimes paragraph by paragraph, not quite verse by verse, but thought for thought through that book of the New Testament. And I think that gains credibility with those people because now they know we can do this kind of preaching, Mm -hmm. and this kind of preaching is legit, Mm -hmm. but we don't want to make that all we do. Yeah. People often say, oh, are you one of those topical churches? And that's so interesting to me. Uh, Jesus approached his teaching topically. He chose topics from the Old Testament, topics from everyday life to teach on. A parable? Are you kidding me? That's the most topical message there ever could be. You guys see those? See those? Those that field over there? Mm-hmm. You guys see the see the ocean over there? See this? See that? That is topical. Jesus is choosing topics to speak into people's lives, and so of course we want to take topics um, that are that you know come from the New Testament, but but we think it's okay to preach topically. Now, one of the things that's so interesting uh, when it comes to uh, speaking, especially for people that come almost every week or, you know, regularly, two, three times a month, uh, you listen to us all the time. (laughs) These people listen to us all the time. I like to say variety is the spice of life. So when I first started communicating, I followed this simple pattern that came from Andy Stanley. It was me, we, God, you, we. That's how I. That's how I approached it. So, to break that down, the first few minutes of the message, it's me. I'm going to tell a goofy story about my life, and I, I'm kind of over that way of starting sermons sometimes. But then you go to the we, and that's the tension we all experience. And then we build a bridge into what does God say to that tension. Then we come to the you and say, hey, here's how you can apply this. And we come to the we, and I like the we at the end. Here's how the world would look different if we lived this. And that's kind of you know one way of doing that. Well, I discovered that as I preached every week. People just got so used to that rhythm. It was just like watching the same movie over and over and over again. So variety really is the the spice of life. But um, when it comes to messaging, just like a sitcom, you know in a sitcom, uh, they're coming back again next week, right? Like, you know Chandler and Monica and friends, they're coming back next week, okay? So the reason we watch a sitcom is because they find themselves in a problem and we wonder, how are they going to get out of it, you know? And I kind of think of preaching a bit like a sitcom is that people know we're going to be back next week, unless Jesus comes back, we're going to be back next week. Um, and so, and we know Jesus wins in the end. I think most people know the end of the the story. Um, most people who have been coming to church are familiar with what Jesus has accomplished. And so the reason to to listen and engage is, man, I don't know how this is going to end. They've got themselves into attention. How are they going to get out of it? And as simple as that sounds... I think that's really, really important because we actually learn in the midst of those tensions. So uh, that's one way I like to approach message writing. Awesome. I, I like uh, just hearing what you guys are saying and, and listening to different pieces and stuff, some that popped into my mind. One, I, I, I just love how we do get to live this out um, at all of our campuses. The truth of the Bible is explained in a helpful and hopeful way. Now, whether that be um, you know, one of you guys preaching or Alberto at International Campus or Tom or Jake in St. George, uh, just that all these, these, these people are kind of rallying around this idea. And I guess, you know, what I'm thinking through is we're very intentional with why we do this, but to contrast, uh, maybe not with necessarily the atheist or the agnostic who we do try to engage with as well, but, you know, the people who are, who are in religion in this culture, in this state, what is it that they are used to getting 
on a Sunday morning or, you know, where they're at at a religious gathering, what do you think, what is the norm for the people that are in this area? Well, I tried to address that at the top, and that is they they get beat up. There's always something more to do. The problem with Mormonism is the goalposts keep moving, and that is exhausting, it's frustrating, and it causes people to want to throw up their hands and give up. And and the problem is that more and more people are leaving the LDS Church giving up because they can't ever seem to do enough, but in giving up, they typically give up on God or church, and it takes several years before they feel the need to, to basically come back or give it a try or something like that. There's a crisis in their life that would ex- expose their need for uh, the transcendent, and we're hoping to be there for that person. And so they haven't forgotten uh, what they experienced. And in my vision message that was played last week, I used the term church PTSD or religious PTSD. They do have wounds. And it, it if we feel, the, the room feels like, or if we sound like the LDS church for these guys, they're done. They're out. Wow. You know, another thing, Paul, that kind of builds on that is um, often the LDS church knows it was a great Sunday, uh, in their mind, if their emotions were engaged. Um, so, uh, I, I when I first moved here, I attended on a Sunday morning, and everybody was crying everywhere. And it was clear that that was the metric of an amazing Sunday for them. It was a very emotion-driven experience. Now, when we communicate the truth of the gospel, it is very emotional for people. Uh, grace should grip our emotions. But at the same time, at SMCC, we are so careful to not manipulate emotion and so at some points, I think people would say SMCC is very intellectual. Uh, it's, it's interesting because we have helpful and hopeful, uh, and yet people would listen to us at times and say, you did, a, you did a message on genocide in the Old Testament? I mean, that sounds intellectual. But we want to make sure it is, our, it is truth informing our minds and then truth engaging our emotions rather than getting that backwards. And so I think a lot of people come through our doors um, and they're... Uh, their emotions have been uh, manipulated in the past in church experiences and in messages, and so we want to make sure uh, we don't do that here. So there are times that we purposely, in my mind, I purposely say, this is very emotional, so I want to communicate it in a very even keel way so as to not cause the PTSD both Good or bad, I guess. Bad would be, I'm having an emotion, I don't like it here. The other is, I'm having a great emotion, God must be here. I want to guard against both of those in messages. We use the term sometimes as we talk about messages, and also just the service in general. We don't want to try to make people feel, we want to let them feel. And and that means we're not going to, like you said, coerce or manipulate emotion. We're going to allow emotion but we're certainly not going to try to manipulate people that way. Now, I want to kind of uh, bridge to something that, that I've been kind of thinking through lately, and I'm Paul, we haven't even talked about this, so you know, not to put you on the spot, but this, but this has been standing out to me, and, and Paul, last week in the vision message, you talked about the significance of uh, theological precision, uh, clarity. Uh, this week, I'm going to talk about, in our vision message part two, uh, relational precision and relational clarity. What does it mean to love? Um, so last week, Paul, you talked about the significance of content. Now, in this day and age that we're living in, 
where content is more available to people than ever before. This podcast is content digitally. Uh, the best preachers are on TV. They're on YouTube. You can go listen to people far better than me whenever you want. As great as our music is, you can go out on YouTube and find the best worship music imaginable. People are saying about the local church, you know what, if your church um, is focused on content, you will be dead in the future. Now, this value has a lot to do with content. Now, I'm wrestling with how the place of content in the life of a community. I'm, I'm thinking through that. I'm going to speak to that this weekend because I, I think I have a way forward. But I think people might say to a church like SMCC, you guys are very content heavy. The world needs community. People need relationships. Now, of course, we have that in our values. But Paul, what would you say to somebody who says, you know what, content, helpful, hopeful messages, mm-hmm. uh, attractional church, 30 minutes on a Sunday, that is not as helpful as it used to be. That could go away someday. What would sure. you say to all that? What we try to do <clears throat> is um, utilize the environments what they are best designed for. The large group environment is best designed for corporate worship, uh, lots of voices, the coming together of God's people and people that are now going to watch God's people love God through worship, uh, that's powerful and that's appropriate for that environment. It's also a great environment to communicate important truth to a lot of people at one time. What it's not great for is relationship building. Uh, Circles are better than rows in terms of building community. And so what we're saying is, let's just be appropriate for each context or environment. The home, uh, the coffee shop, the small group, wherever that meets, is the appropriate context for relationship building and sharing from your heart, being vulnerable, being accessible, uh, being helpful and caring to other people, doing the one another's of the New Testament, love one another, serve one another, bear one another's burdens, forgive one another. Um, encourage one another as long as it is called today. Um, you know, all the one and one another's of the New Testament. I can't name them all, but wow, that is not happening on Sunday morning in a big church context. And it's not happening in your living room as you're watching the TV. Mm-hmm. Those one another's are commanded in the New Testament. These are actually commanded. And this is expected of God's people that they actually one another each other. Yeah, we see the Apostle Paul say, how can someone be saved if someone doesn't preach to them? If they don't hear the gospel, how are they going to be saved? So I think it's just both and. That's all I think. So we don't need to beat up content to get people to a place where they enjoy community. Uh, And we don't need to beat up community for the sake of content, which I think there's churches that lean both ways at times. We can run on both rails. Excellent. Guys, thank you so much for this this content, as you're saying. Um, I think it's helpful for people, and I hope that, that people are enjoying it and being able to see you know, just more and more of, of um, and, and maybe be just really um, uh, joyful in, in the, the church they get to attend, or maybe some people that are on the outside looking in and, and exploring SMCC. So thank you for that. Everyone that's listening, thank you for sharing, for subscribing, and for leaving a review that helps us out a ton. We see that you guys are already doing it a lot. So thank you so much for that. A reminder that if you do have questions, we do have an email and phone number in the description below to ask that question. And uh, we're really thankful that you guys spend your time with us. Hope that you have a great week and we'll see you on our next episode. Thanks again for joining us for the Fully Delighted podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, 
please subscribe, give us a rating, or share with a friend. For more information about SMCC, please visit our website at smccutah.org. Thanks again for trusting us with your time, and we hope to have you back again soon.